everyone, and welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. Uh, I am Paul, and I'm here with the other Paul. <laughs> yo, yo, what's up? Uh, the real Paul here. Uh, let's get it. Let's go. Let's uh, another episode, man. Let's get it on. And as always, we have other Paul. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, I'm Paul the Third. Uh, glad to be here. Let's giddy up. I really no, wanted to just me. make you Dan, but <laughs> just, <laughs> no, just to leave you outside of it. Uh, yeah, so today we're going to cover Season 2, Episode 5, The Apple. Original air date, October 13th, 1967. And before we get into it, Twitter at WWST underscore podcast. I always forget to do that in the beginning because nobody listens to the end. So now you have to hear it. And uh, the Enterprise is doing what the Enterprise does, and it's orbiting a planet as Kirk and Spock and Chekhov and two security-looking guys and possibly a yeoman. We find out later she is a yeoman. Uh, they beam possibly, down to what a... Do you mean possibly a yeoman? Of course she's a yeoman. Look at her. Well, I didn't know if she was like some kind of <laughs> like a science officer or something. Or like uh, or something. Well, I believe she is, but uh, she yeah, really didn't still... play that role. Well, they, yeah, they pick, she's a yeoman. Like, every time there's yeah, a female a yeoman, with the crew, yeah. she's, always, she's always a yeoman, no matter who it is. Well, and, and the subtitles literally come up later, and her name is yeoman for, yeah. like, three yeah. quarters of this episode. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, she, did, she, she didn't get a name. No, they like, seriously, through that, most of this episode, they didn't say her so, name. They, um, they said the security guard names before they said hers. Oh, uh, so right now they're about to have, like, uh, two parties transport. Have Has that happened before? Um, I, I noticed they, that they, not, but, like they transported it and then somebody transported it right afterwards. Like, I don't remember that being, uh, I, I think the first time I've seen that. They did some kind of mass transporting in early season one when uh, Sulu got stuck down on a freezing planet. They were just kind of beaming uh, people up and down. I don't think you were oh, there okay. for that one, Paul. So I don't know if you ended up going back and watching that episode. But I'm yeah, going to go back and watch it. Yeah, they were just kind of like casually teleporting up and down at that point. Oh, okay. I just I noticed it immediately when I saw it. Yeah. So yeah, they they beam down to this tropical looking uh area of this planet and Kirk's got his, his fancy green shirt on. Which the planet looks really good compared to some of the other planets they've been to. Yeah, it's not rocky and it's not desert. Um my question is why is he wearing his chill shirt? Yeah, I like, don't know. I, I yeah, I thought it was kinda I mean it's the thing. I mean it's cool. That's awesome. I was just curious why he was wearing it. Like it didn't really fit uh, the. It's not like everybody else is casual. If everybody else is casual, I'd be like, okay, everybody's like that uh, for this like visitation. But for him to be like that, I was just kind of curious at why why that would happen. Well, I wonder if this is a case of because the the reason that his shirt is originally gold. I know we covered this really early last season. Was that uh, his shirt was actually like green in real life. Uh, but it appears gold on the TV because of the studio lighting and the way the cameras interacted with that lighting and then the way that it came through on television is it just shows up as gold. But in actuality, it was green. And he has this more casual shirt, which is made of a different material, but it's the same color. The material does not um, change to the gold that we see. So it's Ah. just, yeah, same, same color, different material. So he's always wearing green. And if you think about that, when you watch the rest of these episodes, it makes them really weird. Yeah, but his um the, the thing it's even a different style though. Yeah, like it's like yeah, even has, the like, style of it's shirt, different. Yeah. So yeah, it's not it's not very formal. So I'm just curious why they they went with that. Yeah, yeah, that I don't know why he's not just wearing his typical uniform. Maybe he thought he was going to like fancy tropical planet or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> he's, just, he's just going down there to to relax a little bit or something. I don't know. <laughs> so uh. Yeah, so Spock and Chekhov, they start taking some tricorder readings, and everybody just kind of walks around kicking dirt. 
And then they hear the transporter behind them, uh, like the transporter hum. And uh, McCoy beams down with two more guards. And at this point, like literally, I, I saw these two more guards, and I'm like, "There's going to be a high body count. Like there, there's yeah, no yeah. way this that many security guards are involved. And nobody's <laughs> there dying. were so many people on this planet already. You're like, oh, this is going to be one on ones, huh? Where everybody dying. Yeah, uh, McCoy, uh, he makes a little joke about claiming that, uh, like claiming a place on that planet, and just remarking how nice it is and. Uh, Kirk just notes that the last scout ship had some strange sensor readings there and it prompted an investigation and contact with the inhabitants. So, we, you know, we get the exposition, figure out why exactly they're there. Uh, Spock notes that the soil is remarkably rich and fertile. And he says that the entire planet is covered in growth, like basically everything that's around them currently. And that they, even at the poles, uh, there's very little variation in temperature, which averages about 76 degrees, which sounds fantastic to me. Like that's what I thought too. 76 degrees. And who knew, who knew Spock was a farmer? Yeah, he's all about the soil there. Yeah, I was really excited. Here? 75 degrees all year round. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, Hell yeah. Um, a Chekhov says that it's just like Russia and that it makes him homesick. And uh, my note says... I don't remember Russia being 75 degrees. Yeah. Um, my, my note for this says he makes me actually sick and I hate him. <laughs> I, just, I, fuck, I don't like Chekhov. I don't know why. I don't like him. Yeah. Uh, Bones says that it's more like the Garden of Eden. And then Chekhov says that the Garden of Eden is actually just outside Moscow. And Kirk is a little bit confused by that. He, he does not believe that the Garden of Eden is by Moscow. Yeah, like, of course uh, not. I, I believe that one's wrong. Yeah, off by just a little bit. Um, so Kirk says that uh, there that he saw a village about 17 kilometers away, which is 10.5 miles for those of us uh, that don't use kilometers. And they start walking in that direction. And I don't know why the fuck they beamed 10 miles away from the thing that they wanted to investigate. That seems like a really <laughs> terrible walk. Yeah. Just, they You're like, get who's up for a hike today? Yeah. Um, and as they walk, uh, one of the security guy notices a, a flower that – turns and looks at them and he's like hey captain like come check this out and i said oh, we've seen this one before like if you remember when spock was acting all goofy and the people that didn't want to leave the planet and the flowers that turned yeah. and sprayed him with shit yep yeah so the flower uh makes this noise and it just shoots some needle like things out of the center of it and it, they pierce the chest of the uh the security guy and he drops down and mccoy comes over and pronounces him dead and then uh we get a view of somebody like moving through some some bushes hiding nearby and uh so that's five it, dead so far this season and poison ivy strikes again with her deadly plant i just i sat there and i thought why ain't nobody wearing masks and protective gear anytime they visit a planet dude ever i, I they never got ppe they, on i mean they have to they can probably scan the atmosphere and all that from the ship first is, okay, is what okay. i'm gonna say I, but still the probe though like you send the probe down there it does a little yeah. respect thing. It's like, oh, look, these things shoot spikes. We better not go to this plant. I mean, obviously, yeah. they're far enough that got ships. They should have probes to be able to detect, I don't know, poisonous atmosphere. So that's one. Poisonous life uh, life, life signs would be another, you know, like things that yeah. kill you. I think that they'd be able to figure that out. So, yeah. Hold, hold, hold on, Paul. Just to correct you on that, because I do agree with you. Just think, though. Australia. Everything in Australia tries to kill you, so it's not that far fetched <laughs> they would go to plant planet yeah. that would but have deadly plants. You would just plants. say that they would be more That's cautious. Every time yeah. they find a place that are like, this is a paradise here, something bad happens. Like the last time they well, thought they were what... in paradise, McCoy got impaled by a fucking guy on horseback. 
Look, that's why they bring the security guards so the main cast yeah. doesn't so, die. Yes. Like, hey, we need, we need some <laughs> we need sacrifices. People to die. Let's get the yeah. yeah. They're just cannon fodder for the flowers down there. So yeah, so we get the show opening and we come back. Captain Zog explains that they are exploring an unexplored area called Gamma Trianguli Six, and that uh, someone died to a poisonous plant. What a way to go! Yep, and it was instant too. It's a very fast poison. Well, it looked like it might have struck him in the heart. So yeah, and several several of those barbs got him. <laughs> Uh, Scotty would have just called that Tuesday and just shrugged it off. <laughs> He's like, are you, are you kidding me? I have more deadly things in my system before breakfast. <laughs> I like how Scotty is just this insane drug user for us. And it gets, it's like it's so unfounded. Why did we decide that he just does drugs all the time? Uh, no, you decided that. We just agree like with you. a fun guy. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> he decided that. We're like, yeah, let's run with it. Yeah, screw it. Um, so Kirk, uh, he contacts Scotty to beam up uh, Hendorf, is the guard's name, uh, Hendorf's body, and he explains that their antimatter, uh, Scotty explains that their antimatter pods are having a problem and that they don't know why. And he thinks that maybe the abnormal electromagnetic field around the planet could be causing that. So they chat for a second about how nice the planet is because Scotty wants to get off the ship for a little bit. He's like, yeah, I understand that that guy just got killed by a poison plant, but I'd really like to walk around this area for a minute. And uh, Does make any Kirk sense once again? The, the not acknowledging people's death. Yeah, it's just security. They don't care. Uh, <laughs> so Spock, uh, he conveys his concern about the antimatter pods, and Kirk just asks him if he's found anything with his tricorder, and Spock replies that he has picked up a subsurface vibration for miles in every direction, and he says that they're artificially produced and quite strong and regular. Uh, so Kirk calls over Mallory, which is not the yeoman. It's one of the security guards, and uh, he... Orders Mallory and Marple, solid name, to that's that's just like a Twitch streamer's name is just Marple. I mean, I don't know that it really is, but it sounds like it is. But anyway, he orders them to scout the area, uh, but avoid any of the planet's natives. And immediately, I'm, I'm like, they're dead. Anytime you, you send them <laughs> off on their own, yeah, for real. That's why I brought them. Yeah, you you can't like you have to babysit security. You can't just send them off on their own. Uh. So Spock then picks up a tricorder reading of a humanoid hiding directly behind them, moving with remarkable agility. And uh, Kirk and one of the guards, they go check it out while Chekhov uh, annoyingly asks Spock what they're dealing with. Because fuck Chekhov. Everything he does pisses me off. <laughs> Just his, his existence. Yeah, the yeoman, uh, she remarks on uh, how this place is kind of frightening. And this is a prime example of why I don't like Chekhov. Uh, he comes up and he grabs her by the shoulders and he tells her, he's like, hey, if you're going to worry about anything, you should worry about me, which is a little on the rapey side. Uh, and he's okay, very first conceited. Of all, that's like, girl, don't don't worry about your own safety. <laughs> that, that, that's okay, his girl and he's joking around. But we don't know that. There's no established uh, relationship between them. Okay, and he's just okay. like, well, in about two seconds after they establish it, in a second, he gives a pass yeah. for all that little <laughs> the, the extra stuff. He's allowed to do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's like, yeah, if, if you're going to worry about anything, you should worry about me. And he says that he's been wanting to get her in a place like that for a long time. And my note says, unfortunately, she's very into this. So, yes, they do have a relationship. <laughs> yeah. But before you find out that they have a relationship, he's just he comes uh-huh. on a little strong. <laughs> you can't just throw him in there like that. So, uh, so Chekhov and his new girl are about to uh, suck face when Kirk walks up and puts a stop to it, and he says that he's like, "Hey, you're not here to conduct a field experiment on human biology," which I detect a hint of jealousy that maybe he uh, uh, he wants that yeoman to himself. I was about to say, like, only I can do that. <laughs> as soon as she appeared, I wrote down uh, Kurt's new girl. Yeah, but I thought so literally. As well. So I, I assume that uh, it's going to be Kurt's girl. 
yeah uh so yeah what was i even doing when i wrote this like what kind of mood was i in because it, it says uh and this, this is my note i wrote this it said Chekhov fucks off to find some readings and hopefully die but kirk calls everyone <laughs> together to find to, to move out in formation l <laughs> uh wow which I, I don't understand why they're using formation l when they should have done the flying v because it almost always works so that's that's true but uh well that only works on an ice planet the, yeah that could be maybe that's why they didn't do it but uh as they leave uh the person the like bush wookie from fortnite uh like is just camping in a bush like they're playing fortnite and we just get a quick shot of that and then also apparently formation l is just them walking in a single file line because that's that's how they were doing like i don't understand <laughs> That's lowercase L, get it? Lowercase L. Yeah, that's what it is. Formation L. Obviously, man. Come on. Obviously. It's just Formation L, and they just get the single file line. Um, I like it. So uh, as they're walking, uh, they just see some weird stuff. Like, I don't know what the hell they walked past. It looked like a giant fork sticking out of the ground, but it turns out it was like some kind of rock. Like, we find out later or something, or I don't remember what it was. We'll find out. Uh, but Spock, he finds an interesting rock and he uh, talks about this rock, like what it's made up of. I didn't write all that down. And then he just snaps. It looks like half. styrofoam. Yes, it looks like styrofoam. And he then he breaks it in half and he says it has good cleavage. So there's that, uh, which has to be. <laughs> he said it had good cleavage. Cleavage. Yeah, he broke it in half and he's like, oh, it's got good cleavage. Like. Like it, oh. like it leaves in half, properly, like you know, good, like well. Oh, okay, I'll I'll somewhere else. Yeah. That can be, yeah. yeah, that has. There's no way that that hasn't been used out of context. Like yeah. that has to be a meme somewhere, right? It has to be. It's not, not it's about, it yeah, it's cleavage. Mu- cleavage must mean something else. Yeah, it, it cleaves well. Like it, it breaks or cuts in into pieces well. So I'd be like, oh, um, it has great cleavage. Just something breaks. Yeah. Breaks, okay. So if I say, oh, I'm I'm gonna use that one. I'm, I'm gonna use that a couple times. Yeah, it's got great cleavage. Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, so uh, just be really careful when when and where you use that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's uh, true. So he tosses uh, half of this rock away, and when it hits the ground, it just explodes, just like an insane explosion. And uh, Spock notes that in large quantities, uh, the rocks could be considered a source of power, and I was like, that's going to come into play later. And uh, I, 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 was I, I saw it. He's like, or we could go fishing. Yeah, <laughs> we can... We could find some water and catch some fish with this. It was like one of them uh, firecracker snaps, you know, the ones you get for the kids. This goes down to mix noise. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then he he gently places the other piece down and they just continue on with the unknown person still following them. And uh, we go to the Enterprise where Scotty calls Kirk and Dan this. There's no way you didn't go the same place I did with this. Uh, Scotty calls Kirk to tell him that their antimatter pods are completely inert. Only it doesn't make a bit of difference, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, I will send you that video later. Okay. It is good. It is inert. (laughs) It doesn't make a bit of difference. It is different. He says that something on the surface, possibly a beam or transmission, uh, drained the pods, the antimatter pods. And uh, he says that it's still on... Like, whatever the beam thing is, is still on, and it's nothing like he's ever seen before, uh, but it's in the area near the village that the crew are headed to, because, of course, where why wouldn't it be anywhere else? So, uh, Kirk hangs up on him, like Kirk do, 
Well, and, no, uh, uh, oh, oh, I, I defend Kurt this time. He said Kirk out this time. Yeah, but he never gives him a chance to say bye. Uh, yeah, he said he said Kirk out before he <laughs> slammed. He, he, what, what, if he, what if Scotty's like, wait, hey, a minute. hold on. He, he had his communicator halfway almost down before, like, he's like, oh yeah, I'm getting ready to go. Yeah. And he you said can't Kirk just say out. bye and then hang say. up without the other person saying bye. No. All right, later, peace. What? What, what if Scotty had more to say? What if there was something really important? He's like, uh, he's he like Kirk done. out, and Scotty's like, no, wait a minute, and then just hangs up. Yeah, too late. You should have said it earlier. No. You, that's that's not proper etiquette for communicators or for telephones. Uh, for now on, that's how I'm doing it. For now on, in my life, like, yeah, Paul, out, just walk, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just walk no. away. Yeah, just walk away. I'll see you later. Yep. Um, yeah. So, uh, so Kirk hangs up on Scotty, and and he and Spock think that the source uh, of this power could be some kind of underground generator, which would explain the vibrations that Spock had picked up earlier. Uh, so McCoy and Kirk talk about the the thorns that killed the guard earlier, and uh, as the another plant nearby uh, takes aim at Kirk, so Spock gives it the old "get down, Mister President," and he pushes Kirk out of the way as the plant fires its thorns, and uh, Spock gets hit in the chest and he collapses. Which I figured he. Because- why are these? No, I was going to say, why are these plants so aggressive? Like they might have been a good like, ten feet away from this, you know, plant. Like, no, I'm just going to shoot my. "Quote unquote," wad and at we still <laughs> haven't took a plant sample to test it for the poison to see if we can have a cure. We're still walking out there with no safety right. stuff on while the no, I, while I, the no, plants are I, out I there. Bones, I just didn't Bones pick out like the barbs uh, from the yeah, security guard. Th- then why aren't we back on to try to get Enterprise already, trying to figure it out, and then realize we're stuck? Like right. we should figure it out. We're stuck already because as soon as everything. Everything happened. We we should already been gone the first time when the first dude uh, got hurt. Well, to be fair, that was just a guard. They don't care if he dies. Yeah, if one of the I'm main saying, crew gets hurt, yeah, then but, you get yeah, out well, of there. I'm just saying, once the first guy got hit, it's like, oh wait a minute, I better go yes. ahead and you know maybe figure things out. Let's go, let's re up now. Let's go recoup. Oh, we can't well, leave now. Then they they got about they're about an hour ahead now. What they were not later right. on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Early. Yes. Maybe maybe if they were to turn and run run away every time someone died, they'd never get anything done. Yeah. Mm. I see. I see. I, I, now I see what you're saying. That's why they brought all those security guys because they knew they were going to lose some. They have to continue Kirk, on. Kirk's like, I have a feeling there's going <laughs> to be a rough one. One. A few of these guys. I'm gonna go ahead and you know. Yeah, just bring extras. Yep. Uh, but also at this point, I figured that um, Spock's going to be fine because he's got Vulcan biology and he has plot armor. So there's no way he's not going to yeah, be okay he's, with he's this. He's Superman, you know? Yeah. Uh, so uh, McCoy goes over and he scans Spock and he gives him a shot of Massiform D that doesn't do anything. He said he gave him enough Massiform D to, I don't know, do something to the entire crew. I didn't take a detailed note. Um, but isn't Massiform D, is that the stuff that got uh, McCoy all fucked up and then he time-traveled? Is that Ooh, the same? I don't remember. I thought that that's the mm. same thing he accidentally injected into himself that one time. I'm not 100% sure. I know I've heard it before. I remember, I remember the so. story that he's talking about. I just don't remember uh, exactly what the chemical was. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's it, but that's unimportant. Um then Kirk uh, calls Scotty to uh, get everybody beamed up. Uh, they try to engage the or energize the transporter, but it does not work. And Scotty says that the entire system is inhibited and uh, they couldn't even beam up a fly. And I noticed at this point the uh, filmmaking, they did these like 
really hard push-ins to try to make it seem really dramatic, and it yeah, just came dramatic, off as overly yeah. cheesy. Yeah, yep, it's super overly cheesy. cheesy. Dun dun dun! Commercial. Yes. Well, m- maybe in the '60s they would have been like blown away by that. Like, like oh whoa! Not even a fly. <laughs> not even a whole fly. Yeah, the the Lord <laughs> to keep you next to the TV, so you didn't leave the TV during commercial. Make yeah. you watch the commercial. We, you're like, oh, I can't miss it. Which we go into uh, commercial break, and yep. then we come back with a captain's log. Kirk explaining everything that's going on. Uh, Scotty is going to check the situation on the ship, and then he hangs up on Kirk. So eat that, you dick. Uh, Spock suddenly wakes up and he complains that McCoy's potion as he called it is making him sick and McCoy jokes about Spock's green blood being the problem and uh, Kirk just asks Spock he's like hey were you trying to save me and Spock replies that he was not and that it was his simply his own clumsiness that prevented him from moving out of the way and uh, I I, I, I crit yeah they just have this kind of like back and forth you know Kirk's like well you know if you Next time, just yell and I'll get out of the way. And uh, he jokes about Spock trying to get himself skilled or skilled. Yes, uh, Spock trying to get himself killed and uh, asks if Spock knows how much Starfleet has invested in him. Like jokingly, he's like, yeah, you know how much money they've invested in you? And Spock actually starts rambling off the exact number. And Kirk's like, OK, stop. Like, I don't I, like it was and, not a serious and, question. And, and uh, fans, guess what I did? I did research today on inflation to let you know exactly how much money a Spock would cost today. Just so you know, it would be uh one million eight hundred and five thousand or huh, huh. what is it? One million eighty five thousand eight hundred and eighty six cents to uh, make yourself a Spock. That's how much That's money they're putting you in Starfleet Command. Well, he's very undervalued. They got a great yeah. deal. Yep. So if they if you want to get make super somebody smart, a, superhuman, yeah, to a, a training spot, a training for Starfleet nowadays would cost you about uh one <laughs> about one million dollars, one point eight million. So yeah, one point almost two million. Yep. Uh, no so, one point uh, oh eight. Oh okay, well, okay. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, about a little over. Yeah, a million. I can't read this number right. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't hear the number right. Apparently, so <laughs> yeah. Uh. So Kirk, uh, he thanks Spock for saving him, and they discuss the possibility that something is after them and the ship. And you know what I think is funny is that, like, Spock getting hit with those things was so inconsequential that they might as well have not even done it. He was down for yeah. all of 10 seconds, and then they just moved on. And it on. did nothing for the, uh, the story at all. Then It's just no. something they threw in there real quick for a commercial yeah, one scare. Bit. It would been cooler if... Uh... He actually did get sick from it, and like the natives, like, oh, hey, we got a cure for that. Yeah, actually, yeah, that would make perfect sense. Then that could have been a yeah. Then that could have been a better story or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, suddenly some clouds roll in, and a big storm uh, hits them. And one of the guards did, is. Did you know? Hold on, small complaint. Did you notice the sky went from being red to blue? Yeah, when the clouds were coming in. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I wonder if they, I mean, they probably literally just fil- filmed, like, an actual sky for that. So. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they did. I just, I just wanted to make a quick complaint about how the sky went from red to blue oh, to dark. Oh, like the, the sky is sky is red, then all of a sudden it's dark blue. Maybe it's that's just, I mean, it's an in. alien planet. We don't know what happens. Yeah, maybe that's how it is. You know, like, combined. we have blue skies okay, and that, white that, clouds. That's a fair point. Maybe I'm they sure have red a, skies a planet and that's, Yeah. I'm sure there's a planet with like a green sky, and then the when the clouds come through, everything turns rainbow. Like, you just, and then you don't this know. guy gets hit, this guy get hit by Thor's hammer over here. Yes, one of the guards is struck by lightning and just gets 
disintegrated, which is Vaporate. the most ridiculous thing. Like, yo, what did, what did he do to Thor? Like, yeah. like he, <laughs> it's just, he's minding man. his own business. He's like the one guard that doesn't just, do anything stupid I, and still fucking dies. I mean, they really, they really find great ways to kill people in the show. Like, <laughs> just hit him by lightning. Just, yeah, just, 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 what do you mean? Lightning bolt? Like, for real? Just and make him just sap and gone? Like, yeah, what, that's a cool idea, man. Like, that is very, very like dark in a way. If you think the about guy it. that plays that security guard is reading the script and he's like, "Fucking how? <laughs> lightning? <laughs> <laughs> this guy gets killed by a plant? I like, get hit like by he lightning? Didn't even like his body's gone, bro. <laughs> like his body just <laughs> just it just it disappeared. It's just funny. Um, he is our our sixth dead man, and then all of them have been uh, guards so far, but he's number six dead this season. Oh man, rest in peace, my brother. Rest in peace. That that whole just like like every guard, like their their entire. What's their total count up to now? Like sixty total. I don't know, and I can't keep track of because yeah, we started we started over season two because yeah, season one we didn't do a good enough track. Well, no, we did it good enough. They didn't do a good enough job of giving us exact numbers. They gave us a lot of. uh, you know, casualties are light, casualties are heavy, and I don't, I can't put a number on well, light and heavy. For, for light, light and heavy, we'll have to just make up a random number. Yeah. And make it every time they mention a, that. A, a sign of value range, and I'll roll a dice. Or just, uh, <laughs> or just write down the time when they say light and heavy. That way, we just like, oh, they said light a couple times, etc. Et yeah. Use your imagination. Yeah. So, so six this season. Um, but everybody else, they run for cover uh, under nothing because they're in a like a jungle almost. And, uh, they almost get hit by lightning a few times. And then the, uh, storm just kind of moves on and, uh, they draw their phasers and they run to see the ashes of their crew member. And, uh, first of all, that guy's ashes probably smell fucking terrible, but also <laughs> what were they going to shoot? Like the storm? Like why, why, did, lightning. why did they get their phasers out? What are you going to shoot at? Were they just going to like off themselves sure. so they didn't get hit by lightning? <laughs> them. Yeah, that is kind of weird. Like, oh, Mother Nature rolled in, shoot shot it. some lightning, kill, kill, kill yeah. them with security guards, those, get your phasers out. There's those clouds. Shoot them. <laughs> I don't understand what they were doing. Uh, I didn't see them with their phasers out. I just saw them running. Yeah, they pulled their phasers and just ran over there. They were, like, pointing them around, and then they put them away. Oh, okay. Actually, I believe they do that later in the episode. Also, like when the storm comes back later, they pull out their phasers, phasers again. Yeah, they're gonna fight those clouds. <laughs> so uh, we we go to elsewhere near, and that's not where like the uh, the Khajiit are from in Skyrim. It's like the literal elsewhere. Uh, we go elsewhere near the village, and uh, security guard Mallory calls Kirk to inform him of the village's coordinates. Uh, but their communicators are getting a little bit of interference, and Kirk can't hear Mallory describing something that he sees. Uh, so Kirk hangs up, and he and the crew run towards the coordinates of the village, and we get this really weird, like, spy music. Like, it's, it felt like a 70s spy show. I don't know why the hell they put that in there. It's just being unique. Yeah, it was just, it was really weird. Uh, so uh, Mallory, the guard, goes running in their direction, uh, shouting so about something that he saw, but he steps on one of those exploding rocks, and now we have seven people dead total. What a bullshit way to go. You're running through the forest, and you step on a rock. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew. I knew their whole their whole crew was going to go, but I did not expect it to be 
this. It's been a flower, comical, lightning, and a rock. This is how they have died. And so it's far. been entertaining too. It's been entertaining. Yeah. Everyone's been entertaining. <laughs> um, probably my my favorite part of this entire episode is security guard Marple shows up after this guy explodes, and he just yells rocks. he just comes running over the hill and he's like rocks all right uh yeah so they they look at mallory's dead body and kirk uh finally starts to feel a little bit bad for all of the dead security guards that uh he is responsible for and he says that Mallory's father helped him get into the academy, so he feels really bad for killing uh, his friend's son. He feels bad for that one. Yeah, just that finally, one. Finally. Yeah, one that's related to him in some kind of way. He feels bad about that one. Not the, it's, uh, not the thousands before. Uh, ho- ho- hopefully his dad still isn't alive. Like, hey, uh, your, your son got blown up. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, well, actually, not my bad. Your bad, because if you didn't help me get into the academy, I wouldn't have made made captain and taken him on this mission and then he wouldn't have stepped on a rock and died so that's, so that's what really you get his dad's fault no good deed goes unpunished <laughs> punished <laughs> wow so um they uh spock tries to console kirk you know and uh kirk says that yeah he says hey or spock says hey you know their deaths aren't your fault like I literally stepped on a rock. Like, what are you, what are you gonna do about that? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, sometimes you step on a rock. Yeah, sometimes the rock steps on you. Uh, and he says that uh, he could have. Kirk says he could have disregarded his orders to investigate the planet if it was overly hazardous. And he says that uh, it's really not that important of a mission, and it's definitely not worth the lives of three of his men. Which I found interesting is that they do have a bit of discretion. So apparently, if they get orders, uh, they can safely, without consequences, choose not to follow those orders if there is unnecessarily dangerous situation. Which I think is very interesting for like a military. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess being out in space so far, I give you latitude. Sometimes I'm assuming they're sure that you can't get a hold of people to. Uh... And they try to trust their captains with that kind of duty. Right. Well, and like, what are they going to do realistically? Like, are they going to come get you? <laughs> it's, fucking, it's fucking space. You just... <laughs> they'll, they'll get a uh, ship to chase you down. Yeah. So, uh, Spock said... Oh, that, hold on, hold on, hold on. That would be a cool show, having a, a show Ooh, like where... Like a rogue... Uh, a, a rogue a rogue ship, and like, all right, they send out like a the, the space police to go hunt them down. I like it already. Man, we have like and five I, shows written for these guys, or five ideas ready. And, I know, more than you five. You know a big actor wants them. to be in Star Trek right now, don't you? Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage? But he didn't say he what wanted gonna, to be, just that he would we, not be in Star Wars, he would be in Star Trek. We'd make him a well, captain of a ship? putting himself out there that he wants yeah. to be like, hey, uh, oh, yeah. I'll come play one of your ships. We'll, we'll, we'll make I, him captain of a ship. And then, and then there has to be an episode where John Travolta plays another captain and they somehow switch faces. <laughs> switch their faces yeah. off. Dude, that would be hilarious. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Or have them play each other. Yeah. Like a body switch uh, machine or something that goes away, like on transporters and they end up in each yep. other's body or something. And then they both have to look at the camera and go, not again. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. You see, we're making it, we should be man. We need to get paid, man. Paramount, man, hook us up, man. You yeah, know who you are. Yeah, seriously, we got great ideas for you. Yeah. Um. So uh, Spock says that Kirk 
followed the correct and logical course, uh, but he gets interrupted when uh, he spots the person that's been following them. And Kirk tells Marple and Chekhov what they need to do to go and capture their follower. Uh, he sends Marple off to just go make some loud noises, and he tells Spock and Chekhov to cause a diversion. So they just start loudly, loudly, loudly arguing about tricorder readings, which is actually pretty hilarious because Spock's like super into like this weird role play. <laughs> yeah, and, and Chekhov's just like, it's none of your business what my tricorder readings say. Like they have the like stupidest NPC argument. <laughs> You're not my dad. Yeah. And then uh, it's time for uh, Kirk Smash. Come on, come on. Yeah, dude. So he sneaks up on the guy that's been following them and f- just fucking punches him in the face. Like, he One of my favorite parts of him. this episode. Yeah, I, I, I was like, I started laughing so hard. I'm like, yo. But here's my issue once again. Is that happened last episode? Kirk starts with the sh- start with the stuff, and then all of a sudden he went, "Oh, you want to be? Let's be friends. Oh, I'm not here to hurt you, dude. Yeah. You just punched me in the face. I haven't even said nothing to you. Now you want to talk." Hey, hey, maybe that's how Kirk make, makes friends. He, he decks you. Like, the the last two episodes, right? he's literally attacked people first and be like, oh, oops, my bad. Now let's be friends. They don't work that way. You can't come and hit me like that and let's talk afterwards. We gotta fight. <laughs> Not even. Like, no, hold on. In fairness, everything has been trying to kill them up until then. Yeah. yeah but, the, he, but this thing hadn't even attacked yet, though. <laughs> He, he, he no. didn't make one. Just, he's watching him die. He's not even like one. He didn't make one threatening gesture, bro. He didn't make one threatening gesture, and still Kirk came with a business. I'm sorry, Kirk. That's rude, sir. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, he, he could have just rude. been like this weird pervert that just is following him, like yeah, him in the there, bushes, you know, in the corner. Oh yeah, look at him. Look, look at that suit they're wearing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying, or, like, or just curious about literally the first people that aren't them to visit their planet ever. <laughs> He's just yeah, exactly. Like, there's gotta be a fir- like, like this can't be the first time you mess somebody for the first time on the planet. That's your reaction to go punch them. Yeah, he just sucks the right in the fucking mouth. Hey, first <laughs> taking the Goku approach, like I'm gonna go punch you into snot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man. I, like, I, well, I, I, I thought it was funny. Off, the guy's man. like. I, I loved how the guy's like, you punched me in the yeah. face. Like, he's, yeah. he's real upset about it. No, 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 no. Did, did he use the word punch? Uh, I don't remember. He said I, hit. I don't think he not, knew. It was either hit or punch. Yeah, I don't think he knew what a punch was. Because you got to remember, yeah. they don't know what a lot he, of stuff. I think he said, I think he said you did put your hand on my face. Did you hit me? Struck I, I what, or something. Yeah, I'm not sure what term he used. Yeah, but the term he used wasn't a punch. Because I don't think they know what punches are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this guy that Kirk just punched in the mouth for no reason, um, he's basically like sunburn red is how I would describe it. Like he's just, he's just fucking Oompa red. Loompa. I put I put sunburn. Yeah, he's just then that's his natural skin color is just sunburn red, and uh, he has weird, uh, not obviously a wig, white poofy hair. And uh, he's just wearing, like, basically a white, almost skirt-like thing. And he's got some flowers around his wrists. And uh, he has these weird, like, gold diamonds and squares on his cheeks. Which I don't know if those are natural or, like, a paint. But we, we see later that everybody has those. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure either. What, what's, what's, like, the evolutionary like, reason for that? Uh, I, I sure. kind of thought it was probably, like, a tribal thing where they just painted their face That's what I thought too, on a daily basis. They all have the same ones. I'm not absolutely sure. Maybe all I know is that when he took a punch in the face, he started crying real quick. That's all I know. Yes. And from this moment yeah. on, I lost all respect for this guy. I don't know who he is, but then you learn, you know, throughout the show, I start laughing as as the show goes along. I, I enjoy the story, though. But 
Uh, just his face or whatever. Not a huge fan of it. It's weird. His earplugs, the things he had on his ears, weird. <laughs> like they, they, yeah. like they went very, very weird on this whole design. I mean, it's unique, so I can't look, really look, they, 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 they can't help on how they look. That's how they evolved. Yeah, yeah. But like the, the wig the was hair, really bad. The, the hair, the hair was just all the hairs. Though I mean, the minute we see yes. all the rest of the crews, it's like all the hairs are just bad. So yeah, this this guy just got punched in the mouth and he starts to cry, and so Kirk starts to feel a little bit bad, and he's like, "Hey, I'm not going to hurt you." Like again, I guess. Uh, Kirk, uh, he wants to know why the man was following them, and the guy says that he is the eyes of Val, and that's V A A L. And uh, Kirk wants to know who Val is, and the man just says, "Hey, Val's everything." Uh, so basically, he's their god, and uh, he introduces himself as Akuta, the leader of the feeders of Val, which sounds like a like a Fallout gang or something, <laughs> the tunnel snakes. The feeders. And uh, so the rest of the crew, they they show up and Kirk asks if they can speak to Val. But Akuta says that he alone speaks to Val. And uh, he's Val's eyes and ears because Val, that's that's Val's wish. And, uh, Spock, and Kirk's like, okay, this, this is starting to sound like a cult. Yeah. And he's like, we've kind of seen this before as well. Uh, but Spock is very fascinated. And he, he inspects Akuta and he finds some metal antennae coming from the back of Akuta's head. And Akuda says that they're his ears for Val, that they were given to him in the dim time so people would understand Val's commands and obey them. Uh, so Kirk asks if the other people are nearby, and Akuda's like, yeah, I'll I'll take you there. So they they follow uh, Akuta to go to Val's people. people. Uh, Scotty then, uh, he calls Kirk up, and uh, he says that something like a giant tractor beam has grabbed them from the surface, and they try uh, to use maximum impulse power, but they can't get out because their warp drive is not working, and they cannot fix the damn thing. And Scotty, does, does, anyone, does anyone else want to hear Scotty? Like, I'm giving all she's got, Captain. Yeah, I think we only get that once in the whole damn series, though. And didn't we already get it? I'm not sure. Have we? I don't think we have. Oh, I thought maybe we did. Um, could have been. It could have been one way earlier. I just noticed how when Scotty's at the uh, Enterprise, he has the whole uh, I go level C team there. Because the horror yeah. ain't even there. No, yeah, and yeah, he likes to keep the bridge uh, dim as well. Apparently, he's yeah, a little hungover. Well, you're on a bunch of drugs. You don't <laughs> want a bunch of lights going off. Yeah. <laughs> he got a hangover. He don't want all the lights going. Yeah, exactly. yeah that's right. <laughs> uh, Scotty also says that they can only maintain full power for about 16 hours before they enter the atmosphere and burn up. Uh, here's the time limit again that we need every single episode. Yep. You can't have an episode without a time limit. Yeah. They really lean on that crutch hard in the show. Uh, So Kirk tells Scotty that uh, if he can't get the warp engines working, then he's fired. And Scotty's like, all right, I'll try. And then he hangs up on Kirk again. So it's good that he's taking his captain duty seriously and just hanging up on people whenever he gets the opportunity. Uh, So Kirk. Well, maybe that's what captains have to do is hang up on their subordinates. it's, It's protocol. Uh, so Kirk asks Akuda to take him to Val so that he can speak with Val, but Akuda says that Val won't talk to him, and it'll it won't talk to Kirk. It'll only talk to him. So they follow Akuda to a big cave-like entrance that looks like some kind of big snake or like dragon or something, uh, or it's like uh, where Aladdin went, like in the sand. <laughs> That's Kirk, a, Kirk a great is, way to describe it. Kirk is the diamond in the rough. He's just got to go in there and not touch anything but the lamp. Uh, 
But yeah, we go to a commercial break, come back, Captain's Log explains everything, goes on to this point. Uh, Spock finds the cave fascinating. He's impressed by the workmanship for, for some reason. He's like, that's very well made. It looks really nice. I'd like to get one for my home. Because that's something that Spock will like, well, say. They did a good job carving that out of rock. Yeah, yeah that's a very, beautiful. very Spock thing. Yeah. You know, the, he can he can travel through space, and he's amazed by rock Yeah, just by yeah, like a rock snake. <laughs> he appreciates the simple things. Yeah. Um, so uh, Spock and Kirk, they conclude that this is not the center of the power that they're looking for, but it is an access point. And Spock takes a few steps forward and then is thrown to his ass by uh, a force field that he ran into. Uh, so Kirk then asks Akuda, he's like, hey, how do you even talk to Val? And, and Akuda explains that Val calls him. And he says that Val is sleeping right now, and when he's hungry, they may be able to speak with him if he desires it. And he says that Val will be hungry soon. So Val and I are very much alike in that aspect. Um, <laughs> they leave the entrance to go get some food and some drinks and get a little bit of rest. And they arrive at a, a village to find others that look pretty much like Akuda. They're all sunburnt as well. Uh, Kirk wants to know where the children are. He's like, where are the little ones? You know, kids and Akuda and the rest. They're like, what the fuck is it? What's a child? <laughs> they, they have no clue. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you mean the replacements. Uh, but those are forbidden by Val. That's Which is a weird way to put it. Like, all oh, replacements. Which is technically correct, but. Yeah. That's one of those I call my kids, the replacements. Yeah. Replacements. <laughs> yeah, I've got a wife and four replacements. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the yeoman, still unnamed at this point, tries to explain love to Akuda, who refer- and Akuda refers to it as the holding and the touching, and he says that it is also oh, yeah. forbidden. So they're not allowed to do that. Aww. <laughs> oh, so anyway, someone must have been caught so, doing it. Well, well, Bones is right. Like, so much for paradise. Yeah. Because uh, that's all he's interested in is just drinking and <laughs> and the touching. Well, he's trying to be like Kirk. He's yeah. like, I look up to Kirk. The, That's what Kirk does. The Kirk also <laughs> enjoys the touching. The Kirk. <laughs> um, so Akuda has his people welcome the crew. And uh, the people, they put little flower bracelets on Kirk and the others. And Kirk looks at Spock. And uh, he's like, well, hey, Spock, does that do something for you? And Spock says that it just makes him uncomfortable. <laughs> it's fantastic. Like, no, it does not. Yeah, that's a great way to put that. Uh, so a woman named uh, Sayana, which is funny that this woman gets a name before the yeoman because the yeoman's been in this entire episode. She still doesn't have a name. Uh, Sayana introduces herself to Spock and then Spock's like, well, I'm Spock. And then everybody laughs at him, laughs at his name. He's like, it's a flashback to kindergarten. And, uh, I, I wonder if Spock is a dirty word in their language. That's what I was wondering too. But they all speak English. So who knows? I just thought maybe they were, uh, well, you, you English know. is the universal language of the universe. Yeah. I thought maybe as a cult dealer, like they were probably on some kind of good drugs and they were enjoying themselves <laughs> just a little too much. Weird it was like Spock. <laughs> like that's a funny name. <laughs> God, is everyone in space just high all the time? <laughs> I, I'm gonna assume they're on space rocks everywhere. You never know what's going uh, they, on. Oh yeah, they developed a natural immunity to the poison plants, and now they just go get shot by them to get high. Yep. Yep. Uh. Hmm. So yeah, they all laugh at him, and he has flashbacks of kindergarten, freaking out, people standing in a circle around him, laughing and pointing at his stupid name. And uh, Akuda leads them to a hut, and he's like, "Hey, this is your house now," which really is pretty cool because they just showed up and they already got a house, and they don't even have to buy it. So good That's for them. That's what I They're said. For well. real, they got but house, they all they have got to food. live together, though. Yeah, they got drinks, yeah, and all they got to do is give Val some food every now and then. Yeah, not bad. And and, and don't do the touching. 
Uh, oh yeah, uh, Kurt Hammond. Right, that's gonna be hard for some of them. Uh, yeah. Hard for Kurt. Kurt's the one. Kurt's the, <laughs> yeah. the worst guy. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt's like it, it's been two days. It's been five minutes. What five minutes? You know how what Kurt says. And apparently, Chuck's like, I too. gotta get the fuck off this planet. <laughs> off this planet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 He's gonna do the touching to himself. <laughs> is that forbidden you think <laughs> that doesn't lead to replacements no <laughs> oh god yeah, you think they can do that to themselves because that doesn't lead to replacements uh, well, that's true uh, probably not <laughs> no. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah so Akuda leaves and Kirk calls Scotty who has n- had no success getting the warp drive working and Kirk just kind of berates him for a second and then hangs up on him because he's a dick and uh, McCoy says that he did a check on the natives and that there is a complete lack of harmful bacteria in their systems. And he says that they just don't grow old and he doesn't know how old they are. And Spock says that their uh, atmosphere completely negates any harmful effects, effects from the sun. So they're totally protected by that. So they don't get like cancer or anything like that. And then uh, they hear a gong and they go outside to see all of Val's people leaving the village. So they follow them. Uh at the entrance to the what I assume is a cave, and they never go in it, but I just keep calling it a cave entrance. I assumed it. It looks like a cave. There are stairs in there that go somewhere. Yeah, we don't know what it is, though, so. Yeah. Uh, but people are taking things into the mouth of the big snake dragon thing and throwing everything down the hole. And uh, at this point, I actually heard a variation of the song that they used from, uh, what was it, A Muck Time? Uh, when Kirk and Spock were fighting, they used a variation of that theme, which uh, was really cool. Oh, I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to that, honestly. Yeah, soundtrack really stood out for this one for this episode for me for some reason. Um, but uh, Spock and Kirk are hiding in a bush, and they note that their hypothesis is correct, and that there is no living being inside of uh, this big snake thing, only a machine. Which I don't know how the hell they know that because they didn't what? go in it, and you can't see in it. I, well, I wonder if their uh, tricorder readings suggested that, like, oh, hey, there's nothing really living down there. It's just a computer. Right. Which, what the hell are they feeding in it then? Yeah. That was the other weird thing is, like, what are they even throwing in there and why? Like, like every time they walk in, they're like, man, there's sure a lot of rotten apples not getting eaten <laughs> <Yeah>. in here. <laughs> just all this food and shit. Um, so, uh, Kirk decides that he's going to chance going inside. Uh, but when they stand up, the ground starts to shake and the snake's eyes start to glow bright green. And so they decide that maybe that's not the best idea. Uh, they did. You think that's Cobra Khan flair? Yes. Oh, Co- Cobra from, uh, GI Joe. Yeah. That has to be. Was it Cobra Khan? Cobra. I don't know. I've never Cobra, been a big, Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Yeah. So I thought, maybe but I've never been a, Cobra Kai. I've never Cobra. been a GI Joe guy. So. Wait, no, no. Cobra Kai is the, the, the karate kid thing. Oh, maybe is he just oh, Cobra? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't he just Cobra? Just Cobra? Yeah, I think it's just Cobra. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, they just sorry <laughs> they discuss uh, Val's need to uh, eat frequently, and uh, the ten hours remaining before the Enterprise crashes. And Kirk wonders if Val weakens around feeding time. And Kirk tells Spock to check the total power being expended against the ship and look at it uh, on an hour by hour basis, so they can see if it drops at any point. And uh, a little bit later, I don't, it's, it's, I don't know why they do these cuts. Like, they make a cut like it's, you know, something like we're advancing time. And then they just come right back to the same scene that we were in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But McCoy shows up and uh, he sneaks up to Kirk and Spock. And 
Uh, they fill him in on what's going on, and then McCoy talks to Spock about uh, the right of humanoids to have a free and unchained environment because he does not agree that they should be trying to free these people from this machine. And Spock counters that by saying that uh, they also have the right to choose a system that works for them and that they've chosen this one. Um, but which, which are both very valid points. But it's something that they've disregarded in the past because they are always out there destroying civilizations because they think that they know what's best for everybody that they come across. That is true, and I'm just going to bring this up a little bit early since, you know, it's kind of the how they fix the problem, but ends up, you know, to get away from there, they have to destroy it anyway. Yeah. Which I wonder what if uh, Val would... Uh, it, we'll get to that later. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Bones uh, tries to sway Kirk to his side, and Spock just wants to leave the situation alone, and uh, Kirk tells them that they're going to have to wait to have their philosophical debate until the ship is out of danger. So, you know, one thing at a time. Um, Scotty gives Kirk a call and, uh, he's got the requested readings from the power output and he says that the power against the ship is dropping bit by bit and that they need another eight hours to finish their work to, to get the ship operational. And then Kirk hangs up on him as payback for all those times that Scotty did it to him. (laughs) So of course a little, uh, a little bit later in the hut, uh, the yeoman is pacing around and she's worried about the ship and, and Kirk just tells her, Hey, settle the fuck down. And, uh, He's like, what do you think would happen if somebody on this planet would die? And I'm like, are they planning a murder? Like, are they, are they going to kill someone just to see what happens? I thought they were. <laughs> I thought they were going to hit somebody with like, uh, like uh, some kind of medicine to make them appear dead, and then let. Uh, then I thought that like it'd be a female. Then I thought they put the female yeoman into the little cult group and to yeah. get her in there. I thought that's. The, I thought that's where we're going with it. I thought they were just going to straight oh, see, murder I, somebody. I, I, I thought they were just going to have Spock go grab that rock and, you know, throw it like a Frisbee <laughs> at one of them. Chucks it in one of their huts. <laughs> <laughs> Whole thing just goes up. That's and messed up. <laughs> um, the uh, yeoman says that uh, if there was, you know, an accident that Val couldn't prevent, like, say, one of them fell off a cliff or something, that they would need a replacement. And uh, this is where I noted that the subtitles literally just call her Yeoman. So I guess at this point, she just doesn't get a name. Like, she's just going to be unnamed, which is weird for an important character, semi-important character. Uh, Spock also is, he's very curious to know what would happen if they, if someone died. And the Yeoman wonders how they would even have a replacement if they don't know anything about having sex. Uh, Kirk says, well, you know, Spock could explain it to you since he's the science <laughs> I, I officer. I love how he put it on Spock. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, <laughs> he throws them under the bus. Spock says that uh, they would have to uh, receive the necessary instructions on uh, on how to do that. Yeah, for real. Uh, so a little bit later, Akuda is standing in front of the snake head and he receives a message through his little antennae uh, with some sort of instructions. And he's just like, yeah, I can do that for you, boss. And uh, we go elsewhere where Chekhov and the unnamed yeoman are trying to have a little bit of sexy time in the jungle, but they don't know that the natives are watching them because they're all perverts. And, and they're they're getting into it. Yeah. Uh, the natives. The yeoman who... Well, both. Technically technically both. Yes. Uh, the yeoman who we now know is named Martha. They finally give her a name with like 10 minutes left in this episode. Uh, she's still just worried about the ship, but uh, Chekhov doesn't think that it would be too bad if they got stranded there and had to stay in paradise. He's like, you know... Just my friends and my crewmates would all be dead, but we could yep. fuck on this planet. So <laughs> there's that. Um, but, I know. also saw a note that uh, this is the first time you fir- hear Chekhov's first name. 
Oh shit! Uh, Did she say his name? Yeah, oh. she calls him Pav. A P A V E. Oh, huh? I didn't notice that. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I was so just concentrating on the fact his, that he's uh, his first name, and I think I think this might be the only time. Maybe I'm not oh. sure, but I was just concentrated on the fact that he's willing to let 400 of his crewmates die so that he can just uh, get a little action on a tropical planet. And that sounds like a lot of guys I know. So you know, <laughs> well, hey, it's very that weird to me. His flock. His philosophy is if flight gives you a lemon, you might as well make lemonade. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you might as well smash. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they kiss and the natives watch and then the natives, uh, they have a little talk and they, they wonder, they're like, what would even be gained by doing what these two are doing over here? Like, it, it doesn't get you food. Like, it doesn't get you a shelter. Like, <laughs> it, 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 just, it seems pleasant, but other than that, what do you get out of it? What do you get out uh, of it? Minimum 18 years commitment what you get out of it. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the male native, uh, he touches the other one's shoulders and he like gives her a weird little kiss on the cheek and they both decide oh, they f- enjoy that. Oh, hold up. I, I know we're in the 60s, but when he started going to grab, I'm like, man, he's going to second base right off yeah, the bat. Yeah, dude, that's what I thought too. Yeah. And then I thought he was going for the neck, not for the cheek. Like he, he really got yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they both decided they they like what's going on, and they make out for a second. And then uh, Akuda shows up, and he tells them that the law is plain, that they can't be doing that, and he asks them uh, if they want the lightning to strike, which imagine, like, just for making out, you get disintegrated by lightning. <laughs> That's really shitty. Um, so they read that, out... That's not a god that I want to follow. No. But uh, but they read out Chekhov and Martha, and uh, they're like, hey, we, we saw them you know, make it out over there by those trees. And Akuda tells them that the strangers are a danger. So it's a stranger danger. And he tells them to gather the men and meet in the clear place per Val's orders. Uh, yeah. I'm like, Oh, what's the clear place? First of all. Yeah. And it turns out it's just like a, a forest clearing. <laughs> it's yeah. just a place with no plants. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, let's go to clear place, man. Yeah. So a little bit later, the native men have all gathered up, and Akuda tells them that Val wants them to kill the strangers, and they're like, "Kill? What? Like, what does that even mean? How? How do we do that?" Uh, and at this point, uh, Akuda demonstrates to them how to kill somebody by smashing a melon with a, a big old stick, and he's like, "Just yeah. pretend that the melon is the strangers' heads, and this is what we're going to do to them." And uh, and he says, he uh, said, "Oh, go ahead." Well, he said, "It, it is a simple thing." Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's, that, it's just super easy. Yeah, no, yeah, like no he said deal. that, and I was like, when he said that, I thought, yo, man, like, how quick they went to the violence, and they made it like, oh, it's a simple thing, just you know, just kill him, like, like so nonchalant yeah. about it. It was like it was one of those like it was kind of scary in a way they said it. It's like we're nonchalant. I was like, oh, well, okay. they just they think he thinks that it's a simple thing because they've never done it before, so they don't understand like the morality of it. He's like, yeah, you just have yeah. your life, not a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, but Everything for some that they people, ever were and will be. His two guys gone. Yeah, Not a big deal. But for some people's lives today, though, it's still a simple thing. And they're overly complicated and understand everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he says that uh, they have to kill all the strangers when the sun returns in the morning. And then we go to a commercial break. And Kirk and the crew are hanging out in their hut. And Spock says uh, that the natives are living in a viable society, even if it isn't ideal. So he and Bones are still going at it about this whole, do we intervene or not? But Kirk uh, agrees with Bones, and he says, "Yeah, they're 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 not living; they're just existing." Which none of his fucking business. Um, but Spock thinks that 
they would be in violation of the non-interference directive by acting, and Kirk just decides he wants to free them from Val. Well, you think I already punched him in the face, so I might as well just give him, you know, Yeah, I might as well everything. destroy the whole society. Well, Jim, Jim's bias is, is uh, Jim's opinion is biased because he hates machines and hates computers. Yes, he does. So like, he really does. So, like, yeah, so, like, give me a non-objective, uh, you know, better, a non-biased opinion. Yeah. You know, because you know he hates machines. So, like, I understand both sides of it, and I feel like they're breaking the protocol by doing what they're doing. It sucks. Yeah. But I, yeah. they're breaking the protocol, so I, I actually agree with uh, uh, Spock this time. And this is – it's they've done this before when they went to that one town where everybody partied every now and then, and he destroyed their yep. whole civilization that was run by a machine as well. Yep. Uh, so Spock leaves, and uh, Kirk gives Scotty a call, and Scotty says that they're almost ready, but that they need another 30 minutes. But Kirk reminds him that the ship is going to be pulled into the atmosphere in 45 minutes. They're going to be cutting it pretty close. Uh, Spock returns, says that all the people of Val have disappeared, and that the, then the whole crew, they go outside to look for them. Uh, when uh, they go, they leave, they go to try to talk to Val, and uh, Storm rolls in, and, and Val's eyes start to glow. So they decide to run away, and uh, Spock gets hit by lightning, and <laughs> he gets thrown to the ground. He does not disintegrate like the weak-ass security guards. And, uh, uh, another <laughs> like, I'm not wearing a red shirt, so I'm all right. Yeah. Another thing you guys should know is that shirt that Spock wearing actually got auctioned off after this season. Oh, really? Apparently, it was, yeah, apparently it was a popular thing, so they auctioned it off. So, one oh, nerd, I one nerd, it's, one it's nerd still out there in a collection somewhere. Huh. Yep, probably somewhere. Uh, so Kirk uh, picks up Spock and uh, runs away, just carries him. And they get back to the village, and Kirk gives Spock to McCoy so McCoy can check him out. And McCoy's just like, ah, you got second-degree burns, but, you know, you'll be fine. You're all right. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Uh, You're not human, so you'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, So Marple comes running towards them, the security guard Marple, but he gets hit by one of Val's people with this big-ass stick, and they don't ever say whether he actually dies. I I believe he did die. Are we counting that as a death? I want to say, I'm pretty sure they said he died. So that would be what, eight deaths then? Yeah, I, th- I thought I mentioned he died. Oh, so then that, that puts us at, what, eight deaths, I think, now for the Enterprise. Uh, and, like, four of them have been this episode. Well, look, it's only uh, two episodes, though, right now. We're still doing good. Yeah. So uh, more of Val's men show up, uh, but they're very easily defeated by the crew. Like, very, very easily. Who would have thought people that have never fought anybody are bad at violence? <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing, though. Even... Even the human was kicking ass. Yeah. Like, yes, the, the yeoman, yes. This epi- this fight actually was pretty cool. I actually enjoyed this fight a lot. And the yeoman, when she did the, the jump kick, I was like, oh, yo. Yeah. Like, go ahead then. Like, I uh, liked it. It was real cool. I really enjoyed it. First of all, like, Kirk has a very bad way of fighting. Like, he dives at this dude's knees and, like, rolls to try to knock the guy over. But if that's not successful, you're automatically in a disadvantage or disadvantageous. I don't know, whatever. At a disadvantage. Uh, yeah. because you're on the ground and they potentially are not. <laughs> that's that's not a way to fight somebody. So like, he has a really stupid fighting style. But yes, Martha, the yeoman, uh, does like a kind of like a judo toss type thing. Yeah, say like a, and yeah. then she does, does just like a fucking Kevin Nash big boot. This then, is or like, a, like a Hogan boot. <laughs> yeah. She gives like, like a Hogan boot. She just needed to drop the leg afterwards and like everything would have been perfect. It was awesome. Like it looked really yeah. good, dude. 
Dude, she is a fighter, and it like, was fantastic. The, the funny, the funny part about this whole episode, that fight scene, was she looked the best fighting. Like yes. everybody else oh, looked absolutely. awkward fighting, and she looked the best yeah. fighting, which I thought was she really, looked supernatural, really different. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Maybe her background is uh, she's like a I martial ballet, arts champion, ballet yeah, dancer, ballet dancer, uh, gymnastics. Those chicks know how to. They're really good at controlling their body. So it's one one or the other. Oh. She's from the Black Widow program. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they started, uh, well, I guess it would be really late because they're in the future. So, uh, but, uh, but Kirk tells the crew to put the people of Vol in the hut or in a hut and also put, gather up the women and put them there as well. And that sounds really, really bad on his part <laughs> for somebody that was just plotting a murder a little bit ago. <laughs> uh, so, uh, he, like, he tells him to do that and Spock just, is kind of a dick and he condescendingly points out to McCoy. He's like, Oh look, you're getting what you're wanted. They're like a free people. And the first thing they do is learn how to kill. And he's like, you got your wish McCoy. And, uh, we great comment. Yeah. So we go to the enterprise and Scotty lets Kirk know that they're ready to escape the tractor beam. And so they turn on the engines and they try full reverse. Uh, but it, it starts to work, but then something explodes in the ship and the ship just stops. So Scotty's like, well, uh, I've lost, literally every system on the ship uh but we have gained about an hour or so on the time limit he's like and you're just gonna have to fire me so kirk tells him that he's fired <laughs> and at that point scotty should just say fuck it and go get high in his room yeah <laughs> I, that's the first time i like, enjoyed this last hour when he said you're if you can't feel like you're fired i'm like oh that's really rude dude like you sound <laughs> like a I, I get it sarcastic yeah but i just i was like yeah okay that's a little extra yeah um so Kirk, again, uh, for some reason, just starts lamenting that he followed orders to go there. Like, he never cared about any of this in the past. He never gave a shit. And then suddenly he loses, like, four security guards. And he's like, never should have done this. Yeah, this time, uh, he, it's like this time to give him, like, an emotional journey of uh, the idea of all his, his actions having consequences. Yeah. But uh, the, the people of Val, they try to leave the hut because it's time to feed Val. But Chekhov stops them and gets them back in the hut. Uh, wrangles them up like a sheepdog and uh, Kirk orders the crew to keep the people in the hut and not let them feed Val while he and Spock go to visit Val. I'm tired of saying Val. Uh, so Kirk calls Scotty to see if uh, he still has phaser power and uh, Scotty does still have phaser power. So he tells Scotty to lock all of their energy, energy banks on the energy field that's near them. The one around Val. So Scotty says that they can't penetrate that force field, but Kirk says, well, you know, if, if I'm thinking correctly, then you won't have to. And it always ends like this. Every fucking time they got to fire phasers at whatever the power source is on the planet. Like, it's twice this yeah. season. We're on episode four. I put I put the same story uh, down a little bit later. But yeah. also, uh, the issue here is that whole laser beam scene took way too long. Isn't that like yes. lighting, up, lighting up forever? Yeah. And I'm like, yo, this is way too long. Like yeah. either either make it quick, like oh we find a we get in base through and, and we get the battery and make it quick or, or make it like a little bit faster. This just this is just way, way too long. Yes. So Spock announces that the tricorder readings are getting weaker and that uh Val is likely pulling energy from other sources, and they think that uh if Val has to draw more power to ward off the phaser attack, the uh, in upcoming phaser attack, then it uh it might have to use more of its reserve power, which I don't know how they know that it has power in reserve, but that's just what they assume. Uh, so Kirk then orders Scotty and the Enterprise to fire their phasers, and they do. And then this is when we get yeah the really long scene of them just firing phasers for fucking ever. Um, 
And Spock reads off uh, the energy readings from the tricorder. Uh, he's just like saying, you know, oh yeah, this, 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 blah, blah. Uh, Val summons another storm, but the continuous phaser attack is having an effect as the uh, big snake head looking thing starts to bellow smoke and uh, the eyes of it start to dim. And uh, Kirk then orders Scotty to stop firing and Spock's readings indicate that there is no power at all. And he says that Val is dead, which was really anticlimactic. Like they didn't even go yeah. into the thing. And I was um, curious, um, they didn't talk to the AI. I, I, no. I just thought that, that might happen. Um, they, they didn't check if, the, what if the AI was controlling the weather and everything in the whole planet? Like, what if the AI was actually in control of something? And they showed the right. AI. And then well, also, I'm assuming that it was. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, probably so controlled, like, like, everything. Yeah, controlled everything. So, like, what if you, when you showed the AI, the whole planet started shutting down and, and getting messed up? I, I just... I don't know. Just very, very uh, weird, weird uh, ending to it all. Yeah. Um, so Scotty reports that the tractor beam is gone, and their antimatter pods are returning to normal, and the transporter will be operation or operational within an hour. And so Kirk uh, rehires him, hopefully at higher pay. Uh, so then Kirk uh, calls Bones up, tells him to let Val's people go, and we go to a little bit later where uh, Akuda is very concerned about how they're going to survive without Val. He's like they. You know, Val took care of us, grew our food, did all that fun stuff. And uh, Kirk says, yeah, you know, it's fine. We'll teach you how to grow your own food and, and how to build and think for yourselves. And you'll learn how to about, you know, how to love and how to have kids. And they're, all the people at Val are like, that sounds fucking terrible. Can we get our computer overlord back, please? Like, now yeah. we have to work. <laughs> like, we had to work. We're, we're having a time of our lives over here, man. Yeah. They're, they're going to do, have to every, instantly. All I had to do was once, a, what, once an hour, Fido, dude. How, yeah. how many hours? Was it 10 hours or something? Uh, they didn't say, but just every so often. Yeah. But it's going to be worse than when they start touching each other. They're like, yeah. you know what? That was a good trade-off. Yeah, you got to feed them. You got to feed them every couple hours, you know, maybe let's say three or four times a day. We got to go feed this dude. Yeah. And then we get to do what we want to do. We go feed him again and do what he want to do. And like, now their overlord is dead. And now things suddenly yeah. have value because resources are going to be uh, scarce. And now they yes. have to develop a currency. And then they're going yes. to, people are going to start committing crimes because they want yes. these resources. And more you people see? are going and, to die. And thank you, Kirk, for destroying another yeah. way of life. Another <laughs> one. Well another done. one? Well, Kirk, Kirk had no choice if he wanted to leave the planet, though, in fairness. Yeah, well, you nah. Know, well, okay, here's they you know, they figured it, out a way to do it. Hold on, hold on. It, it would have been more interesting if they would, Kirk would have like broke, brokered a deal with them, like, "Hey, just tell your god to let us go, and we'll we'll leave." Yeah, that was what I was gonna say at the end of this. I know we have like just a little bit more here, but like, they why wouldn't Val just let them leave? Had they asked politely, like, what what specific reason would Val have to keep them there? Like, just let them go and let them be on their way. And hey, don't tell anybody else about us. Okay, yeah, the, we'll leave you alone. The AI was the AI was advanced enough to have the conversation. I'm assuming if it was controlling people like this, the AI should have been smart enough to be like, "Oh, let you go," things like that. So, right. I agree with you. Well, the AI was trying to kill him like right off the bat. So obviously, it's like, "Hey, we I don't want you here." Well, it, so yeah. I mean, yeah, I saw them probably as a threat, but and and clearly they were. It was right because they came in and started teaching them how to make out and shit. But <laughs> but like it could have corrected that after it just let these guys go. So I don't know. It's just really weird. But um, we go to a little bit later on, and we're on the Enterprise, and Spock and Bones are arguing about whether or not they did the right thing, and uh. I never thought we would see this in Star Trek, but Spock starts talking about the book of Genesis and says that they gave Val's people the apple and they have driven them out of paradise, you know, biblical stuff. And, uh, 
Kirk's like, wait, 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 are you casting me as the role of Satan? And he's like, does anybody else on this ship look even remotely like Satan? And uh, Spock and McCoy, or uh, Kirk and McCoy look at Spock, and Spock's just like, well, I'm not aware of anyone that looks like Satan. And uh, Kirk and Bones <laughs> like just smile and walk away, and they continue on their journey knowing that they have destroyed another civilization and they don't care about it. <laughs> and that's the end of that episode. Yeah. Um, Paul, do you want to start us off with this one? Yeah, um, this episode wasn't bad. It was just last episode was so great that this one was just kind of okay. It wasn't bad though. Um, I just I didn't get the episode title of the Apple until this moment, right at the yeah. end. I was like, oh, okay, and then I realized the whole. Then I got I liked this episode a little bit better after that because the context of uh, action and consequences when there are a lot more, including for Kurt. See, we never had a we never had something where Kurt thought about the consequence of his action, just like the Apple consequence of for Adam and Eve. So I so the whole episode had a th- uh that uh, action and consequence theme to it that came together at the end. So everything I didn't like about the episode at first, I, I'm you know making fun of Kurt for having all this stuff. I'm like, oh, it makes sense at the end. This is the this is the show. This episode is about action and consequences therefore it's not a 10 of 10 last couple of episodes were amazing but it's not bad it's like an eight you know yeah. I, I would if, if it plays it i'll watch it you know I, they did use some of the same ideas again but i gave my pass because i think this episode was so well well written that i i get i gave a pass for the basic stuff because i thought it was so well written so good idea that's not bad yeah i'm pretty much in the same spot with it uh nothing new but it's I mean, what they do, they do well. So uh, the thing that really helped this one for me is just the goofy-ass way all those security people died. <laughs> like, they're just dying left and right to the dumbest shit. And I was like, okay. It's like this was an, probably kind of equal parts uh, cheesy uh, but also good, like in in a way that the show has been good before. Like, it's nothing new for the series. It's just more just kind of goodness overall. So, yeah, not, not the worst I've ever seen, not the best. Uh, Dan? Uh, I basically have to agree with you guys on how you're rating it. Uh, the only thing I, I know they won't do this, but it would have been cool to, uh, for them to go back in a later episode and show how these civilizations that they did kind of screw up to see where they progressed to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, but, where are they? Yeah, that'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, not a bad episode. Kind of a, you know, I, I want to say kind of a letdown air quote compared to like the last two episodes, but not bad. Yeah. Uh, so with that being said, uh, we are going to continue on our journey and, uh, next episode that we're doing is, wait, this was episode five. Yeah. Okay. So the next one that we're doing is uh, season two, episode six, uh, the doomsday machine, which sounds like it's, I'm looking forward to this episode. I have seen this episode in like the top um, 10. Okay. Obviously this is going to be a crossover episode because it says, um, the, a machine that destroys planets threatens the enterprise. And I think, oh, of course it's a Death Star. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's a Death Star. Where's the, the, where's the Enterprise? Has to be. This got to be the best yeah, it's, episode it's ever. Not a, it's not a moon. Yeah, it's a Death Star. Hey, <laughs> and before we go, uh, listeners, if you guys are listening right now, uh, we are we're really close to hitting like three thousand downloads, I believe. Right? We're close to three thousand uh, downloads since we started this. Yeah. And uh, hey, we, we appreciate you guys. You have no ideas. It's kind of a big deal. We just kind of we're doing this as three guys. We figure we hang out together on the weekends, do something, and. Apparently, you guys like to listen, so uh, I didn't want to forget to thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, you know, uh, 
got the our Twitter, which is uh Brandon uh, at WWST underscore podcast. Got our Twitter, you can uh send on there, send some love. You can rate us on uh Spotify, rate us on um Apple, uh iTunes, whatever. Just uh rate us, man. Give us five star ratings. We appreciate it. If you don't, you do, whatever. Thank you for being here, man. Uh really enjoy you guys. So yeah. And, and let us know if you're the real Paul. Yes, we're all Paul <laughs> on this day, on this blessed day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, that's going to be it for me this time. I assume that's it for you guys. Um, if yep. not too bad, I'm, I'm cutting you off. And uh, we will catch everybody on the uh, next episode. Later. Later. <laughs>